Welcome to Lingerie Lowdown, the podcast. Your weekly opportunity to tune in and listen to the best review team online, taking time out to chat with you and each other about everything lingerie. Our incredible team have reviewed over 7,000 reviews so they know what they're talking about. Every week is different, from chatting about their favorite brands of hosiery to educating you about playing safe when delving into the world of kinkwear for the first time. So for open and frank talk on all topics surrounding the world of lingerie, you're in the right place. Enjoy today's episode. Hello and welcome to Lingerie Lowdown, the podcast. So my name is Daisy May and this little series I have is titled The Vintage Glamour Devotee. So if you've joined me before, obviously you'll know, but if not, um, I am, well, there's obviously a reason I'm called The Vintage Glamour Devotee and it is because I'm obsessed with anything kind of from the Art Deco era to the 50s, mostly into the 40s though. Um, more so the fashion than the, uh, the, uh, <laughs> the values, but, um, today we're going to be talking about something that is very true of vintage style, and that is fully fashioned stockings. What are they? What's the difference between fully fashioned stockings and hold-ups? What's the difference? And where do they come from? How are they made? Where can I buy them? All that kind of info. So stockings are um, something, well, they're hosieries, but they need um, something to hold them up. So stockings are, um, you can wear like a, for example, a four strap suspender belt. Um, sometimes they're called a garter belt or suspenders. Um, but stockings require something to hold them up. Hold ups are um, stockings with a silicon layer inside and um, which means that they, if they're the right size, will stay up without a belt. Now, suspender belts, as I've mentioned, it depends where you come from in the world. Um, excuse me. It depends where you come from in the world. Um, so we have uh, suspender belts, suspenders, and sometimes they're called garter belts. Usually uh, that's the American name for them. So fully fashion stockings, what are they? So originally they're made of 100% nylon, um, hence the name nylons. Um, and the reason that they have this, and I will go into more uh, information about this later on, but the reason they have this seam at the back is because they used to be knitted flat um, and they were a shaped um, garment. So in other words, um, in knitting terms, I used to be a knitwear designer. Well, I still am, but full time used to be a knitwear designer. Um, the knitted term is um, fully fashioned or fashioned um, and a fashioned item means there's no waste. So, for example, if you need a wider piece of fabric, um, you will increase needles um, and the, the fabric will get wider because it's knitting on more needles. And when you need less fabric, um, needles will go out of action, which means the fabric gets thinner. That's kind of the premise of it. Um, it's quite a complicated process um, and a very technical process, especially on really, really old machines. <laughs> now there are computer machines that you program to do these things, which is still very complicated, but a lot more efficient and a lot quicker and a lot more diverse than what these machines used to be able to do. Um, so yeah, it comes from the fully fashioned things are called shaped. So that's how when you look at a fully fashioned stocking, 
they have a really defined heel shape and toe shape. That's because it's engineered that way. It's engineered in a specific shape, then it's folded, sewn together. Um, so both edges of the fabric are sewn together to create the back seam that you often see in 40s uh, stockings. So traditionally, most of the points at the bottom of the stocking um, or the heel details, sorry, I should say, where point or Cuban heel points go into a point, and a Cuban heel um, is almost like a long squared off shape. Um, so what happens is that's the bottom of the foot, you have the seam where they sewed up the leg, and then you have the section where the stocking or the end of the fabric would be folded over on in itself, and that would be uh, completed and finished and sewn off. And then the section on the back called the keyhole, I'll go into more detail about this in a minute, but that little keyhole, that little circle section, that real feature, that key design part of a fully fashioned stocking means that, and the person was able to finish off that section um, and kind of like sew it all in neatly basically and make it a design feature rather than having like a scuffy messy edge or something where it doesn't line up nicely. So it's kind of a way to finish a garment really nicely while making it a feature. Um, so it's a really, you know, artistic, um, very uh, technical way to make something. Um, they really are art. Still to this day, they'll be made the same. But obviously years ago, sort of in the, in the 40s and before that, they were um, very you know, very time consuming, very, very time consuming and, and expensive and not uh, sustainable at all. <laughs> so that's why not everybody, you know, had access to them, you know, sort of pre, pre-1940s and before the war and everything, uh, World War II. Um, so as I say, fully fashioned stockings are always called nylons and that literally is just because they're made of nylon. So there's no stretch in nylon. Um, there's a bit of give and a bit of shape, and they are generally shaped to the shape of a leg as well. Um, and they used to come in shoe sizes. So rather than like a small, medium, large or a small, medium, medium, large kind of thing we have now, they would actually be made in shoe sizes. Um, bearing in mind that's on the assumption that everyone's got a similar leg shape. Um, you can often see models that are really tall and they're almost like knee high socks rather than stockings up to the thigh. Um, but they did come in different foot sizes. So obviously if the foot was bigger, they would increase um, you know, the leg length a little, but um, mainly in um, foot size, not just height or anything like that, like it would be now. So the reason I'm talking more about fully fashioned stockings is because stockings and holdups and everything came after that. Tights actually came before fully fashioned stockings. Um, I will go into the history a little bit later, um, but yeah, I really want to talk a little bit more about fully fashioned stockings. So there's different parts to a fully fashioned stocking or a nylon. One section is called the welt. That is the top section of the stocking where it's the darkest, where it's been folded over, where you can fill the two bits of fabric. So traditionally, this is knitted first and it's folded um, over, which is why it's a lot darker than the rest of the hosiery. The shadow welt is only one layer and it's the the, it's the transition section basically between the welt, the folded over top, and the rest of the leg. Um, and where that is just one piece of fabric, that's kind of a little bit lighter. So that's why you get that like three different shades on a gorgeous pair of fully fashioned stockings. Um, the keyhole, as I've briefly mentioned, is that section at the back where the seam lines to the shadow welt and the welt. Um, it's a really distinct hole created to, you know, really finish your garment off really beautifully. 
The back seam, as I've mentioned, is where the garment's knitted flat and it's sewn together. So that is up the foot, like from the toe all the way up to the top of the stocking. And then there is also the reinforced uh, heel and toe. Now you can now get reinforced heel and toe stockings without um, a back seam. These will be made on a different type of machine that I'll talk about in a moment. Um, but the actual reinforced heel toe section itself um, is a darkened area. And that's generally because it's got um, more yarn. It's more reinforced. It's stronger um, to allow for the toe, the movement on the ball and the heel. Because um, quite often we know when you wear cheap <laughs> hosiery, modern hosiery, it tends to rip at the toes because they've basically just cut and sewn a load of fabric that's been knitted in, in a huge tube. Basically, it's really cheaply made now. Um, so yeah, back then it was like a real, real, real art to make these. And then you also had something called pico lines, which is um, during the production process, there'd be dotted lines um, that would be next to the back scene. So this was like different design um, features and like detailing in the actual production process, not in the finishing process. So... I also want to talk a little bit about how they're made and the history of them, because there's a lot of misconceptions. As I mentioned, some people think tights are like a post-war new thing. Um, you know, when did things like this start getting made? So it's actually a really, really long time ago. Um, but before I go back too far, um, between 1940 and 1960, sheer hosiery was produced by a reading machine. This was named after um, a company reading in Pennsylvania, actually in America. Um, forty percent of the manufactured things from this were actually considered faulty. Um, it required fifteen thousand to eighteen thousand needles, so it's not sustainable at all. Um, and there's only half a dozen of these machines left in the world. This was um like post-war production basically. Um, so now stockings or like thigh highs, some Americans call them, or hold-ups with the silicone layer, they're now knitted on circular machines. So the, usually circular machines require five to eight threads of yarn, depending on the style, design and required fit. Um, and the, obviously the cost um, and the price range that they want to market them at now. Um, five to eight threads of not, um, five to eight threads of yarn. And they can vary between uh, nylon, spandex, cotton, things like that. Um, but this feature in the circular machine, there's no sewing anything together. It literally means that you're basically there's a. A there's like a cam or like a machine going around um, in a circle holding the thread and it knits, 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 knits in a huge, huge circle and just keeps going round and round and round and round until it's finished. Um, tights are also made in a similar kind of way as well. Enjoying the conversations today? Well, we wanted to take a short break to tell you more about our website. Are you looking to treat a loved one or yourself to some new lingerie or hosiery and don't know where to start? Let the most diverse team of presenters from across the globe introduce you to more than 500 brands as we publish new and exclusive reviews every day. In fact, we have over 7,000 reviews available online right now and you can join us from only $9.99 a month. However, we want to treat you to something a little special for listening to our podcast today. Use the promo code podcast to get 10% off the purchase price. Best of all, there's no time limit with this code, so you can keep using it when you renew your membership. So after listening to the rest of the podcast, head on over to lingerielowdown.com 
forward slash join and use the promo code podcast today. Thanks for listening. Now let's get back to the podcast. Some little facts about um, fully fashioned stockings as well. And now it's said that in the first year of them being made, bearing in mind this is like post-war 1940s, when they were really desired, seen as very um, like aristocratic, it is said that uh, 780,000 pairs were sold in the first day and 64 million in the first year of North America sales alone. So 64 million pairs sold in North America alone. That's not including England. That's not including Paris. Bearing in mind, England is known for manufacturing way before the 1940s as this uh, reading machine or reading machine um, was. So that's just kind of much more recent history. Um, but going back even further and further, the first pair of tights was actually made in um, 1803. But actual legwear as in socks and using a thread and really basic kind of machines hadn't been invented then. Obviously, this is, you know, sort of 1500s, 1600s when they were trying to improve the time that it took to make certain things and to make like daily tasks quicker. Um, the, I mean, socks have been dated back to Egyptian times, um, but a lot of legwear is thought to be, you know, up to, to just over 2000 years old. So it's actually been a very long time that people have been, um, making this stuff um, and it's not just tights being post-war like people think there's really you know probably very uncomfortable very scratchy woolen um, style tights long john kind of things if you will that were made a very 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 long time ago but tights were actually um, they came into production to replace petticoats so yeah we're talking a long time ago <laughs> Um, they they were considered there for warmth and modesty. So back when the time when women literally still covered up, um, it was still long skirts to the floors and things like that, and it was it was just for modesty, and and for for warmth, you know, things like that. But um, going back a little bit, so to 1598, the first knitting machine was made. So this is thought to be uh, William Lee made the first pair of silk stockings so these were believe it or not were presented and given to queen elizabeth i of england um but sadly the patent was refused so i'm not sure whether she wore these and liked them or whether just the men decided no we're not going to make these machines and these products so they didn't understand the potentially you know the desire for these things um bearing in mind this is a queen who else could afford silk at this time silk was still being imported from china so it was a very aristocratic, very uh, limited thing that, you know, only the very, very wealthy would have been able to afford. Um, the first prototype machine, so bearing in mind, that was uh, 1598, two years later in uh, the 1600, basically, the first prototype machine was ready. So that meant two years after the first sort of one was given to the crown and the royal families, the royals, um, it was kind of ready to go into production. Bearing in mind, production didn't mean to the masses. That literally didn't happen until the 40s, 1940s, um, and into the 50s, really. Um, it, that was just to the um, the very, very rich and the very, very wealthy and the very privileged. Um, so, yeah, very aristocratic and really was a symbol of wealth. I mean, silk still is, but especially hosiery, because 
I'm sure people had, you know, horrible itchy long johns that kept them warm. So they, you know, these were kind of like a designer handbag now then they weren't a necessity they weren't something that you needed and really if you're someone who worked and you were working class and poor you wouldn't have been you know lounging around in silk nylons would you so yeah it was a very um a very aristocratic thing um so yeah I really hope that you've enjoyed me talking about that it's really I find it very very interesting you know um the fact that people think tights are quite a new thing they're not they're even older than fully fashioned stockings and stockings have been around for hundreds of years um you know a couple of hundred years now um when I say that I mean the the way that they're made like fully fashioned stockings actual tights and things have been made up for a very very long time but um not in like a luxurious machine way they would have been handmade and um, material you know woven uh kind of material with handheld things like literally handmade not with a machine like literally literally handmade um so also um i want to jump forward a little bit so the heels that the sort of finishes that the heels literally where the heel is the designs the most popular ones um and actually still to this day um but the original ones were the point heel and the cuban heel that i mentioned before so it's thought that the Point Hill is actually French. Um, and there is this popular, is it Aristoc? I think that's how you say it. A-R-I-S-T-O-C. And it's a British hosiery brand that was made in 1924 and renamed in 1934. Um, and actually they were made in Derbyshire, in Derby. I've always wanted to call it Derby because I'm from the south of England, but yeah, Derby. <laughs> Um, and he titled himself the owner and the person that made them the aristocrat of silk stockings. Um, the brand is actually now under um, Pretty Polly, which you may know. And I would imagine the quality, I don't know how good it is now. I mean, there's very few places that run, um, you know, fully fashion stockings as they once were made, sadly. Um, but yeah. I mean, it's, it's fantastic. I mean, I've actually got a few pairs of vintage stockings as well, which I will be doing reviews on. So if you want to have a little look at those, uh, do keep an eye out. And if you do join Laundry Lowdown, make sure you use my discount code. It's M uh, May 10, which is M-A-E-1-0. And that will get give you a little discount. And it also gives me a little a little little tip as well when you do join. Um, so if you're thinking to yourself, this all sounds very technical. Um, it kind of is. I'm, I mean, like I said, I've got I've got a degree in fashion knitwear and I've been a knitwear designer for a long time. Um, so, yeah, it's a very technical thing. And it's a, you know, a really beautiful part of history, I think, actually. Um, it represents a big change in like garment manufacturing and something that was only ever accessible to the wealthy that became accessible to your average person, which I think is really, really nice. Um and this podcast, I know it's very, very informative, but I want to share with you a couple of like fun little things. So there's some brands that I um, really want to share with you. And if it's something that you're looking at stocking or you want to buy for yourself or you want to treat someone to, there are some brands I can recommend. So I know our viewers might be all over the world. So I do have an American brand. It's Secrets in Lace. That's Secrets in Lace. I'm pretty sure they ship worldwide, but bearing in mind import fees and things, um, if you're in America or Canada, maybe that's probably a really good place to buy from. There's a company called Mayfair. I think they're in America. You could correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I haven't bought from them yet, so I can't I can't mention on the quality. Um, but they're a really big brand. When you when you look around, there's a lot of um, tags and things for those. Um, 
There is a company called Geo. They still manufacture in the UK. And I would say they make the biggest diversity in their stockings. Um, they've created a lot of their own heels, like the Manhattan heel. They've got loads of other random colours that they've made, like lilac and pumpkin and teal all kinds of things, like the biggest array of designs I've ever seen. Um, they're amazing. And they are still running on traditional sizes. So they will go off your um, foot and height size, which is fantastic. Other brands don't do that. What Kate did is also still made in the UK. A lot of them are made in the UK. Um, they're fully fashioned stockings. I think then their, their stockings and their holdups and tights may be made somewhere else. Um, I'm not 100% sure, but I can vouch for the quality on all their products. I absolutely love them. And then, of course, of course, there is Dita Von Teese, who also makes gloves, like fully fashioned stockings, but they're quite pricey because they're handmade items. They're like a real collector's item kind of thing. Um, but she also does make um, fully fashioned stockings with her brand. Um, and they are they, they look exactly the same as the other brands I've just mentioned. They look absolutely amazing. Um, I haven't bought from them yet, but I will be. So uh, maybe I'll be doing a re review for those as well. And then there is this really cool company that I want to try called Burlesque Nylons. Now, they do have an option where you can customise your name or your band name or your burlesque name or whatever it is, um, you know, on the side of the stockings. So you can add your own section, which I think is amazing. So I'm going to be buying a pair of those and doing a review on them. I'm also going to be doing reviews on some vintage stockings that I own and probably most likely um, the Dita Von Tees and a few pairs of Geo as well. So if you're wanting to see me do some reviews um, on those, I would say sign up. My discount code you do get on um, any subscription. It's not just like a month or the yearly one. You can use it on any. Um, that's May 10, which is M-A-E-1-0. And that will give you an, a cheeky little discount of any subscription. But that doesn't just get you access to my reviews. It gets you access to the gallery and everyone's reviews. So there's something on there for everyone, I'm sure. But yeah, I really hope that you enjoyed this, this, uh, this, this podcast. I found it really, really fun. I like sometimes varying my podcast a little. Sometimes I like talking about my personal experiences things sometimes it's my passions sometimes it's a bit of history I like to vary it up a bit to keep you guys interested and on your toes um I've got some exciting ideas for podcasts in the future so if you did enjoy this one please do come back for more and if you have the time do go and listen to, listen to some other podcasts by the other presenters here there are some wonderful presenters who have some really really interesting topics of conversation and sometimes they even do we even do interviews with other members so they're really really fun too so yeah as I say I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast and I hope that you have a lovely day and I'll speak to you guys very soon for listening to us on lingerie lowdown the podcast don't forget that we release a brand new episode every wednesday for you all to enjoy so if you love lingerie as much as we do make sure to catch us same time same place next week don't forget to visit the website lingerielowdown.com forward slash join and use our promo code podcast to get a 10 percent discount off your membership today so if you love lingerie as much as we do Make sure to catch us same time, same place next week. In fact, it's not just lingerie we love to talk about and review. We cover it all from the world of intimates. From lingerie to hosiery, swimwear to sleepwear, kink and bondage, 
and we even review sex toys. All in the best possible taste, of course. With over 7,000 published reviews online, we're the number one review site and we're publishing more every day. And don't forget to visit the website lingerielowdown.com forward slash join and use our promo code podcast to get a 10% discount off your membership today.